0: Hi, and welcome to Is It Dad Rocket. I'm Martin, and with me as ever is Steve. Hello, Martin, and hello, listeners. We have a special guest with us today. We've
1: got James from Grandad. So, Grandad are a shoe all post grown GMO band from Bracknell, somewhere near London. I'm not actually 100% sure. I'm, sure. I'm sure James will tell us. On their Spotify image, one of them is wearing a Cobra Kai t shirt, which tells me that these guys strike first, strike hard, and show no mercy. They were formed in 2020. They've got 1,600 listeners on Spotify and they've got an EP called OIC, which is absolutely incredible. So, James, say hello.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me on.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Martin, I'm sure you want to start off by talking about the news. So, uh, what you got?
0: Uh, so, first things first, big news uh, Spotify rats are available now. So, I've done mine. Steve, you've done yours, I know. And James, I think you said you've done yours. So, I'm going to share you everyone. My Spotify Wrapped. What are you going to share with us? I'm going to share minutes listened, thirty-three thousand five hundred and sixty-one minutes. Rookie
1: numbers. What's yours? <laughs> Mine is thirty-nine thousand eight hundred
2: and thirty-three. James, uh, I've got seventy-four thousand nine hundred
1: and fifty-nine. That is insane. That is literally the most I've ever seen.
2: That's the working from home life, though. So do we? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no toilet breaks, nothing. Spotify stays on.
0: To be honest, mine's actually dropped quite a lot. So I work with my wife, but she's on, been on maternity leave. And then she's come back and it's kind of like not fair. I mean, she already sort of sits in the small office with me listening like, to my farts and everything like that and smelling my farts. So it's like it's a bit mean if I start putting on like nine inch nails throughout the day. She'd be like, oh, fuck's sake, man, shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> you know, It's a great combo. Yeah. 70 odd thousand
1: uh, minutes is insane, by the way. I'm not going to do my maths on that, but I'm assuming it's like nearly 50 days like of constant listening to music.
2: When you put it like that, it's pretty mad, yeah. I don't want to be ashamed or like proud. No, you should be proud. You should be proud.
0: <laughs> thing is though, don't you find that when you're listening to it, so when you listen to music, I'm like, you know, doing an Excel spreadsheet and I've got uh, someone like Comeback here screaming in my face. It's like, this is too aggressive for, for spreadsheets, <laughs> so then you need to change it. To something a bit more softer or you listen to a few podcasts or i mean i started listening to bbc world service but that started getting a bit too depressing because like everyone's dying so it's like that's off so <laughs> just like sit in silence um but yeah I've, I've, tra- I've started actually changing slightly my music taste because because we listen to it so much over covid lockdown you can have too much of a good thing can't you so you sort of change and i know steve you listen to a lot of podcasts don't you
1: i don't anymore no i've um I've been going back onto the music Well, it now. made me look
0: stupid. Thanks.
1: <laughs> no, I've gone back onto the music. I've gone onto an Anthony Green thing quite, quite recently, to be honest.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, so top artists. So my top five is Fresh, which is like a, a punk band, Tiger Army, Petrol Girls, Rage Against the Machine, and then Rise Against, and my top genre is punk. Steve, what are your top five?
1: well i was gonna say yours is uh you, you've got fresh and then you've got rise against i know rise against her they've been around for a long time but they are still quite relevant mine's really not got relevant bands on um i've got top artist as afi and that's because we did that episode and i I wouldn't stop listening to them i've got comeback kid alkaline trio less than jake and underoff so out of my top five, we've done episodes on three of those.
0: Yeah, you've got very uh, dad rock vibes in that as well, that one, Steve. Yeah,
1: I do, don't I? And what, yeah. what's,
0: your, uh, sorry, what's your top genre? I think you forgot to tell everyone. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. What is it? It's, it's pop punk. Ah, the Mr. I hate pop punk. I don't even like pop punk. <laughs> Spotify begs to differ. Okay, James, what have you got for us?
2: Uh, my top three is really weird. Well, I've got downward... Uh, best band in the world anyone listening downward criminally underrated uh and then ridgeway similar deal uh and then fred again is third uh which is like do you know fred again no
0: man i've never heard of his band i'm writing down all these bands because i've never heard of any of them
2: downward and ridgeway definitely write down absolutely phenomenal uh fred again is like this solo like dance guy from london uh it's really not my usual take but he um he does these really sick samples and stuff, and he's got like really sort of like emotively led albums. Um, so it's weird. Uh, yeah, I I was really rinsing him at the end of last year, and then uh, I actually went and watched him at the Roundhouse in Camden at the start of this year, uh, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, a lot of people doing drugs and stuff, and a lot of kids. I felt very old, but uh, the mu- the music's <laughs> really good. So uh, yeah,
0: man. If you felt old, how do you think <laughs> we feel? <laughs> yeah. And what was your top genre?
2: uh dreamo dreamo so which is yeah if you knew those top two bands that is pretty perfect definition really yeah well
1: i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna check them out because uh
0: it sounds interesting
2: yeah honestly get on it they're they're really really good
0: okay moving on the other bit of news i wanted to talk about is bob dylan has released a book that has been signed by him 900 copies were made and sold for 600 dollars each But then people started sharing the pictures. Obviously, look at me. I've got Bob Dylan's book, uh, sharing his signature. And then some other people did. And then they realized that his signature is exactly identical, which obviously is impossible to sign 900 copies of something identical. And then it turned out that it wasn't Bob Dylan that had signed them. It was a machine copy, sort of a machine doing it for him. And everyone was quite mad, as you could imagine. And he's apologized for it. So I just thought, have you heard about this? What's your thoughts?
1: So I heard about it. And I thought, that's not cool. Like, you know, if you're you're going to be signing a book, and I didn't know it was $600, which is basically 600 quid, like, just, you know, put the work... I know he's old as fuck, but put the work in. Like, you know, if you're going to sell it for $600. But I've got a second thought, which just popped into my head, which is, if you've got $600 to pay for a book... I don't give a fuck if it's signed by a machine or not. You, you are spending that money or unwisely. You should be doing something different with that money.
0: Well, you, could, you can argue it's supporting the artist. Probably doesn't need any more money.
1: Yeah, he's, he's probably
0: got way too much. James, what are your thoughts on the, the whole machine signing? I mean, be careful because you might be doing a gig with Bob. So if you want to slag him off, <laughs> you don't want to ruin
2: your chances. <laughs> For the sake of that support slot. He's playing outbreak next year, <laughs> are you? Open up that pit for Bob Dylan.
0: He'll fucking sign your tits. Get him out. That's what he will be doing. With his little machine. Yeah, it's just a stamp. Right. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. What are your thoughts, James? Uh,
2: I don't really know. I mean, I don't know much about Bob Dylan. Uh, I'm sure he's very busy.
1: Here's a question. If you paid 600 quid for a book, which was meant to be signed by an artist, it could be anyone and you pay 600 quid for it, would you expect that to be hand-signed, or would you expect that to be... He's signed a probably like a digital signature, and then that's printed that onto like a PDF or a PNG or some other kind of file, and then that's put into a machine, which then basically just runs off this. And I wonder if it's even like Sharpie ink, or if it like, you know, like or like fountain pen or whatever you'd use, it's probably like digitally printed on, which probably looks crap as well. I think well.
0: if it's digitally printed, then I imagine people, it must be sort of sharpest You know, like, it must look authentic. Because otherwise, it, if it's just printed, it'd look too shite.
1: Would you be gutted, James, if that happened to you?
2: I would be pretty livid, but just to echo your point, I would never be dropping 600 quid on a book. That is absolutely insane. So, yeah, kind of deserved, I guess.
1: I think it is well. It? He probably did it on purpose, and then he was like, ah, shit, they found me out. Nah. And he's apologised, but really in his head he's thinking, like, you know, fuck these dickheads. Spending six hundred quid on a book—it was a prank. I didn't even write the book. That's what he probably says at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, have you ever had to uh, sign anything, James? I, I mean, and like, not like as, yeah, a, like as, a, as an alone. artist, <laughs> not, not like a contract or anything.
2: Yeah. Um, I actually have. Uh, it's a bit of a niche reason. Um, I do photography as like a hobby, and uh, a couple of years back, some people like wanted to buy some prints off me. Um. And yeah, one of the people asked me to sign it because apparently, like, I think he was worried I was going to blow up in the future, which unfortunately never happened. But uh, it hasn't he... happened
1: yet. So don't be so yeah, That's true.
2: There's still time. But uh, yeah, I did loads of research on it and like used like an archival ink. So uh, that signature I did should be around for like at least 30 years, which is pretty mad. So, oh,
0: nice one. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: But yeah, that was it. Nothing music related. Absolutely not.
0: I always think as well that If someone asked me to sign something, I'd be like, "My signature is terrible. It's just like a little squiggle." And like, you'd need a proper artist signature, wouldn't you? Especially if you've got like a, a pseudonym and like a stage name. You know, like Casey Chaos or fucking Davey Avak, because they've got real names, obviously. But then they've got their own signature version as well. Do you reckon like Davey Avak's tried to like sign for his house and got oh, fuck? Have you got another copy? I've just signed it <laughs> Davey Avak because he's just so. It's <laughs> like yeah, and it was massive and on my chest. I'm the real estate agent. Why are you doing this? <laughs> They're
1: like, can, you, can I get a signature there, please? He's like, no no photographs, thank you. Not today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But do you, did you ever, when you was a kid, uh, like go to, so my brother did this, I didn't do it too much, but we'd go to like a football match and wait around afterwards or we'd go to training and the footballers would like sign an autograph book. Did anyone do that? Um,
2: no. I had this uh, away Nisha thing. Uh, there was a local basketball team where I live, called the Thames Valley Tigers. And, uh, yeah, they all I waited around and they all signed my book, yeah. I also got them all to sign my basketball at some point. So, yeah, I, I relate, yeah.
1: But I can't imagine people do that anymore. But That's true. the point I was making was all those footballers had amazing autographs and they mm-hmm. must have practiced them. They must have done. So shall we move on? Shall we, shall we talk about what we're here to talk about, which is we're here to talk about you, James. Tell us about Grandad. What, what is it you do in Grandad?
2: Uh, I play the drums. Um, I kind of want to say I help with songwriting. There's a few of my lyrics dotted about, but uh, I don't think my brother trusts me to write a whole song. Truth be told, so. Uh,
1: so your brother's the 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 main songwriter. He
2: is, yeah. Um, across everything as well, like not just lyrics. Like he does, uh, guitar and he did do bass before we had a bassist. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like. It is our project, but i just say he's a lot more talented than I am. So I let him do all the, uh, <laughs> the, the hard work.
0: Yeah, it's one thing sort of bringing it up and thinking of it, but then I suppose it's the arrangement, it's the composing of the music and produce, like that kind of thing as well. You know, do this, it sounds cool. And that person that's really good at whatever they're doing can do the thing you've asked them to do. That still counts. That's what yeah. I do. I
2: mean, he, I think drums is the only thing he'd admit that he's not that great at. So I fill that gap for him.
0: <laughs> well i, I I'm,
1: I'm really sorry here because i'm really going to start sucking your dick and it's gonna it <laughs> might get a bit awkward but what i noticed when i was listening to Grandad, uh when i was listening to your ep was that the drums fit so well with like just the rhythm of a song so like I that, the drums you. drive it a lot and i was kind of like this is I've, I've not noticed this with a lot of bands where it's I, i'm i'm struggling to kind of describe it but it's kind of like the drums really play a, a role on that just the way the song moves about. And I know they always do, but a lot of the times it's like fast, slow, like, you know, triplets or whatever. But it was like just parts of it. I was like, oh, this is really in sync. It's really locked in. And do you think that's maybe got something to do with it's because it's you and your brother?
2: Yeah, almost, almost certainly. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like we've been playing in bands for absolute yonks. Um, I think maybe when we were 13 or 14, respectively, um, we just started messing around and we've been in like metal bands generic rock bands yeah it's just i mean we're brothers you know what i mean like there's never really been a time where we're like not itching to make music together so yeah i did always think that was a thing so it's nice to like hear it because i always wondered like are we really in sync because we've been playing this long together and we're brothers or like am i just imagining it so yeah it's cool to hear that you can hear it
1: (laughs) no i I think you i I think you can really tell It, it stood out to me anyway that i noticed it so did you start playing when you was 13 or 14 or have you been playing drums for a long time before that
2: yeah it was probably around then I think year seven or eight um in school um it was actually really weird how it came about because um me and my brother's dad's like uh, a guitarist um just as like a hobby like the same as us like he was in bands when he was young and stuff like that um played a lot of music in the house when we were kids um but it always just looked too complex for me. I don't know. I just never really picked up the guitar. Like my my brother just started in um, guitar lessons. I think because he just saw our dad and was like, "That's cool. Like I want to give that a shot." Um, but mine was a bit weirder. I was actually really into drama at secondary school, and uh, I used to do all the like school plays and stuff. And I noticed that there was like a school band that did like the soundtrack for all the like shows we were putting on. And there's a really lovely guy called Mark there, and he essentially like. <laughs> he like paved the way for like everything that came afterwards. It was, it was weird. Like we used to have like breaks from rehearsing our scenes and uh, I would just go and chat with him and hang with him and be like, this seems like a really cool instrument. And then one day he was literally like, Oh, do you want to have, have a mess about? And I was like, sure. Uh, jumped on the kit and he just showed me like basic, like four, four beat. And, uh, I got it really quickly. And I think it was just cause like our whole family has got like quite a musical background. Like, um, even our grand plays piano and I think like her dad played piano. So it's just like, and like my uncle's like really talented plays like banjo and all sorts of wacky instruments. Um, So it's just always been about, and I think it was just a really natural thing. Like I just seemed to pick it up really quickly and it was just really satisfying to just play this floor on the floor. And I was like, Jesus, I could literally sit here forever. This is amazing. Um, And then, but after that, I didn't really, um, I didn't, like, go down a traditional route. I did try drum lessons, but I just didn't really get along with it. I think it didn't align with the music I was listening to at the time. Um, They were there trying to teach me, like, Yellow by Coldplay, um, which was fine. But, like, YouTube had just blown up sort of around the same time, and I could really easily just go online and, like, watch someone play a song and then just try and learn it off of that. So I think I, like, picked up things, probably terrible habits that I've probably still got today, but it really snowballed and I was able to like learn really quickly and uh yeah I remember sitting down to a a drum lesson and um I'd just been listening to loads of like metal and stuff and uh I was like so when's the uh double double bass lesson and he was like mate he was like you're not gonna see that for like two years I was like all right then well I think I'm just gonna carry on teaching myself but um yeah thanks for your time sort of thing so uh yeah I mean I'm sure a professionally trained musician would be like ripping their hair out listening to that but um I feel like a lot of people nowadays have had that sort of way in, you know?
0: Yeah. The blow up of YouTube, like you say, you can pretty mm. much watch a video on how to do anything, how to learn to do anything. So literally yeah, it, it makes sense. I've just started learning to
1: play drums. Uh, and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I watch like the drummer or stuff. And there's a guy called, that's really good. Uh, Steven Taylor, who I watch, who is, you know, I, the, the way he sort of teaches, but he always says like my teacher was a great musician. He was just a shit teacher. Yeah. He's like, yeah, so yeah. This, is, this, this is how I learn. And then, I, you know, i when you said like, Oh, I went to a, you know, drum lesson and I was learning chord play. It's like, I don't want to learn that. I want to,
0: yeah it's almost like teaching someone 101 isn't it how do you learn drums you learn this song then you learn this song then you move on to this it's like people don't want to do that
2: I think yeah like you say like, I think a lot of it comes from the energy of the teacher you know like if I'd come in and he was like uh, yeah we're going to play on to Led Zeppelin and he was like some rocker guy with like tattoos and rings and shit I'd be like yeah this is so sick but yeah the introduction was just so soft it was like yeah Cole plays rock music and I'm like hmm is, is it, it? <laughs> technically <laughs> really
0: yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to try and call it that yeah you mentioned that um you was listening to a lot of metal music and stuff was there any bands that you kind of got into can you remember one of the first bands that you thought well this is fucking awesome i want to do this
2: yeah so my music taste was all over the shop when i started secondary school um i remember absolutely bumping eminem and 50 cent
0: we, we've all had an eminem phase it's fine we've all gone yeah we've all do it I'm still in my Eminem
2: film. <laughs> I was still, still back in 100%, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was a bit lost, and I didn't really know, like, I guess rock music or metal. I just hadn't really had, like, my dad, like I said, like, was playing stuff in the house, but he's, like, a big, like, Depeche Mode fan, or, like, I remember Lighthouse Family being on a lot and stuff like that, and it was, like, Seal, you know, like, I don't know, he'll tell you he loves pop, so it was just sort of, like, 80s pop, I guess. Um, so I hadn't it's had... that New with yeah, yeah, that's a fair point, yeah. I guess there's a bit of a mix of genres, but, yeah. So I was into Eminem, and then I remember, I can remember one moment where I was in, like, my IT lesson, and uh, a mate of mine at the time uh, showed me Disturbed, and uh, he was a bit of a Grebo, and I was like, I'll, I'll hear him out, you know, and he, he put on Down With The Sickness, and I was like, Jesus Christ. I was, it was probably, like, the first sort of, like, l- even just loud music I'd heard, and I was like, and that, you know, it's like a little bit of shouting in it and stuff. And I was like, wow, what a mad song. And then, yeah, it just absolutely snowballed. And I ended up getting into like, uh, Lincoln Park, obviously were huge at the time. Uh, and then well, a lot of things came together. Cause another friend of mine, I was out playing PE, I remember. And he had one of them old, like MP3 players that was shaped like a, like a pill. I don't know how to describe it. Do you remember oh, yeah, he had one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh. He was like, "Oh, listen to this this band. They're literally incredible." And it was it was Blink One Eight Two, and I can't remember what album it was. Uh, Must have been like, I mean, I so I started school in two thousand four, so whatever album they were dropping around then, I guess.
1: Well, that that would be an untitled.
2: Okay, and uh, same thing. It was just kind of like punk, and I was like, "There's so much going on here that I've never heard before." You know, like it was just like was so loud and like punchy, and I was like, "This is insane."
0: I don't think it's an exciting way to learn new music. Now, it's uh, Steve sends me a link on WhatsApp and I sometimes (laughs) listen to it, sometimes don't. Sometimes I say, hmm, I will check this out. Whereas before, it's you your mate gives you an headphone and then watches you until yeah, until you're <laughs> yeah. and nods and sort of hopes that you get into it so yeah like, hmm, that's brilliant yeah and you hope you hope you love it
1: i hate that when people like give you something to listen to and you're like yeah yeah i'll check it out and like no listen to it now
0: you, know? yeah. but if it was, you was, want me to react we're spoiled to choice this. aren't we realistically do you know yeah. what i mean it's like yeah you know, i'm halfway through another album go away kind of thing whereas it's, <laughs> it's the joy of finding something especially like that type of music and disturbed are a really good example of like almost like a gateway band Linkin Park, mm. Roach, Limp Biscuit, all mm. them bands were what we me and Steve started listening to obviously then you've obviously got into them um, a few albums down the line maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah yeah absolutely still, they're still captivating people and the younger younger audience. I've got a question about disturbed. If you listen to Down with a sickness
1: today <laughs> what would you think? Um
2: when was the last what?
0: time you listened to it? <laughs>
2: The, the only thing popping in my mind about that song is: um, Have you seen that granny that plays the drums? She did yes. like, huh? yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. this granny that Do, plays you know, drums said, in America. I sent you
0: that, Steve. you said you watched it. I'm <laughs> joking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, she covered down with the sickness, and it's just funny to watch a granny drumming along to it. But uh, <laughs> I it disturbed aren't in my rotation. Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, we we did we recorded an episode. It's not been released yet. We recorded it. Last week, and we got disturbed as being our like dad rock band. Okay, is, like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely terrible. <laughs>
2: Amazing, yeah. I put them in the same sort of maybe like categories. Nickelback, I don't know. Like, I'll 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 listen to them because I got some bops, but they're like a yeah, guilty yeah. pleasure. Yeah, yeah, shit,
0: dad rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on, James, you said that your well, your band formed in twenty twenty, um, which presumably was middle of COVID, obviously locked down. So you've made a band. Was it? what's the idea of round starting the band? Was it because she was in lockdown, there's nothing to do or you would have you sort of started making the band and then locked down?
2: Um, so yeah, I definitely think it was like, yeah, sign of the times. Um, it was when they kept just changing the rules. So like my brother was in our bubble, obviously. So like everyone was allowed to see their bubbles. Um, and that's kind of what started it, like, they were doing the whole bubble thing, and he'd come around because he he just had um his first child, so, like, I'd become an uncle over lockdown, which was really odd, um, but obviously we wanted to see our nephew, but didn't want to, like, risk anything, so, yeah, they kept, like, coming over as our bubble, and uh, me and him had been um and ahhing about making music again for, like, yonks, probably, like, two years before that, um, and we were just fortunate in this situation where, obviously, the entire country's, like, shut, essentially. Uh, I have like an electric drum kit in my bedroom so he'd literally just bring his guitar around and we'd just like flush out some ideas he'd had that week basically just like he'd he'd write a few riffs come around and I'd say that shit that's good and we just like yeah like get through it basically and then we ended up with like I think three or four like pretty much fully fledged songs they just didn't have lyrics um, and yeah things started to ease up a little bit and like we started going to like the practice room near us just to see how they sound in like a live environment. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the band to be honest. Yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense because before, like we knew you'd started, uh, or formed in 2020, but we didn't know it was you and your brother. Right. So okay. Yeah. You guys are like writing music together for a while or for a long time. You've been doing it, you know, since your early teens. And then for, for a while you saw sort of umming and ahhing about, shall we start writing music again? It's kind of like
0: the perfect opportunity in it. Like, well, We're not doing anything else.
2: Yeah, it like forced our hand. Yeah, exactly.
0: So you mentioned that obviously you and your brother in the band, um, your brother played bass for the most part, and now you've actually got a a bassist now, have you? Um, Who who else is in your band? Can you talk us through the the lineup?
2: Sure, yeah. So um, there is, yeah, me and my brother. My brother's actually like rhythm guitar, uh, rhythm guitar and vocals. And then we've got Harry on bass and Matt on lead uh, and does a bit of back and vocal as well. Um, so the way that all came together was we went on, do you know, join my band. It's like, uh, it's like, I, mean, a, I,
0: can, I can work it out from the name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I
2: mean, it's like, ai
1: didn't, I didn't think people actually found bands on. that. No,
2: like I think it's, it just like, cause me and my brother have been in the, like scene so long, like back in the day, it was huge. Like when we were in our teens, like that's how people found bands. And then obviously we got older and we're like, where is everyone? Like, are they on Facebook or are they still enjoying My band? So we just, were are enjoying My band like these and all that's on there is just 60 year old dudes looking for like cover band people for the pub. <laughs> yeah. And we're just yeah, like, yeah. there's got to be someone in here who's born in the nineties. Like, please. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we like stumbled across Matt, um, who lived in Reading, which is just like 20 minutes from us. Um, and he was super keen. He was like, we listed a load of like influences, like title five basement, stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, this all sounds sick. This is literally like exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, And we actually got him in on bass originally. Um, So we were like, yeah, we'll get you in on bass. And we had a few practices. um, And then we realized that like the sound we wanted to go for sort of changed a little bit. So we started off wanting to be like way more sort of like basement title fight vibes, like kind of emo post-hardcore sort of thing. But um, as it progressed, we were like listening to a lot more like grunge, like sort of like super heaven, balance and composure are like a bit heavier. Um, And yeah, we just ended up with a sound that was like a lot bigger, like a lot more guitar heavy. Um, We we really wanted like the wall of sound sort of vibe, like choruses come in and you like feel it in your chest. And uh, one guitar just wasn't going to do it. So um, we were like, sort of weren't sure what to do matt was like leaning on like maybe wanting to play guitar a bit more because he was actually in another band that he's still in um called in disguises uh and they he's like the front man and the rhythm guitarist so i think he really wanted to be lead for us and do backing vocals because it's kind of like the opposite of what he was doing already you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so um that just felt like a natural fit that he'd just pick up guitar and we thought we'll solve the bass problem another time And Jesus Christ, that another time was so long. I think it was like six months. Like, we're on Join My (laughs) Band Facebook, UK Emo Facebook group, just like, please, for the love of God. Like, we had a few demos and we were like, any bassist ever that listens to this music. And yeah, things just like, things came up and things went away. Like, there was people we like knew through people and they were like, yeah, we'll do it. And then like, when push came to shove, they just wouldn't come or we'd like hook up with someone for like a couple of practices and they'd be like, mm, I'm not really about it. And we were like, oh, God, another bassist bites the dust. Like, at It she became a running joke between me and my brother. We're just like, where are these bassists?
0: It's difficult as well, isn't it? Because you need someone to match the energy and the commitment. But yeah, they 100%. don't know how far the band's going to go. You're not 100% sure. You just know how much you want to put into it. And, yeah, trying to find someone that matches that energy and also isn't a dickhead, obviously, Yeah. Cause I mean, that by the sounds of it, you'd have taken on a dickhead by the end of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you yes. bassist is a
1: lovely guy, but uh, who knows? I was going to say, it's not, it's not always about how musical you are or your talent or your skill. It's, sometimes it's like, is this guy a bell end? Yeah. Or have a cool? Because if a are cool, they can be pretty shit and they'll learn to play. But if they a bell end and they're best you know, basis in the world probably just don't want to hang about, hang out with this person. for. Like- yeah. It's just,
2: you've got to see them like every week or two and they're, if they're intolerable, yes, it's a no go. But yeah, you've, you've literally like, you've basically encompassed exactly what happened. So like a really good, like family friend of ours, like I've literally known him forever since like I started, he probably watched me learning the drums cause he used to like be in the same like theater productions as me and stuff. Um, and me, me and my brother and him had lived together and stuff. So we were like... And he used to play bass a long time ago. And um, I'd already been talking to him about some staff. Um He just wanted like... He was wondering if I could record just some like little drum bits for him. I can't remember what it was for, but it's just super... But we'd already opened like a channel of conversation. So it just felt like a no-brainer. I was like, do you just want to come and play bass in the band? And he was like, yeah, like 100%. I'll come do it. And yeah, that's exactly what it was about. It was like we knew we might have to wait for him to sort of like pick up his instrument again because he might have been a bit rusty because it had been literally like years since he'd played but at the end of the day like he's a lovely dude and we wanted to hang with him like it was a really nice opportunity for for us to even just sort of like catch up with him every week you know because life gets in the way you know like when you hit 30 he's he's got a mortgage like my brother's got a kid and it was like we didn't really see much of each a other so, to it, isn't there? yeah it was just an excuse to see each other and it was just really nice and organic and like The music just came by itself you know like he just caught up really naturally and like yeah it was just kind of a no-brainer it was like an easy decision and it really solved the problem that we'd had for six months so (laughs) yeah it was a win-win really yeah
1: it sounds like you guys have a pretty chilled out sort of like outlook on on the band like let's just get together let's write some songs let's you know let's be friends i was just wondering how how have you managed to gain the following you've gained
2: yeah so it's, it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a weird one. Cause like we probably look like we're doing really well on Spotify. Um, but it's just Spotify playlists. Like we got really lucky. Um, I'm quite into like, I didn't study it much at school and stuff, but I quite like writing. <laughs> so like when I had to like pitch to Spotify, I like poured my heart and soul into it. So like, um, the, the opening track about him's about our granddaddy passed away in 2015. So, it was so easy to just write a pitch about that, you know, like it was such a raw song for us and it came from such a genuine place. And yeah, I think whoever is sorting the playlist at Spotify just read it and was like, well, these guys have got to go on a playlist. So yeah, that one got on and then OIC got on as well from the EP. Um, because I think that's just such a palatable song, you know, it's just a verse, chorus, verse, chorus rock song. And it's like they obviously thought like people would really enjoy it. So yeah, that's how Spotify did so well. Um, we don't have such a big following off Spotify um, as our gigs would attest. But um, but no, like I'm proud of the Spotify numbers, you know, like that that album was really like two years of hard graft. So yeah, it's nice to see those numbers attached to it.
1: Yeah, right. It's awesome. Like I, I looked at it and I was like, wow, these guys have got a lot of numbers, but that makes a lot of sense that you you've sort of pitched it to Spotify, you've gotten to playlists, but that's a really good way to, to get into it. And then I guess the other thing, is is playing live shows, and the more you play, the more people show up, and the more people listen, and yeah, yeah, and exactly. You'll play more and more, and more and more people will show up, and it'll it'll eventually turn into this thing where you're inviting us, you know, it's <laughs> like you know guest list
0: to you know what's it called AO Arena or whatever in Manchester. I <laughs> see. Yeah, we'll be asking for your your signature. But um one thing that's really good about Spotify is although the monetization of it obviously you don't make a huge amount of money from it unless you've got you know the big players but it's so much easier to send over to your friend. Like we mentioned earlier, you know, Steve and me, I'm always sending over links going, oh, listen to this band, they're really good. And so by the, the sheer spread of word of mouth and being able to sort of spread your entire catalogue to someone else is absolutely fantastic. And it can only, you know, it can only be a good thing for a band starting up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because it's like,
1: so the reason you're on today, James, is I guess because we we played you guys on our It's Not Dad Rock Yet um, like segment. And I decided to do that because it was actually you guys. You posted into, I think it was UK Emo, the Facebook group. And I was like, oh, I'll check these guys out. You know, I don't know why. I was uh, That week I was decided you know, I want to listen to some new music and I think it'd be cool to get into some, like, you know, underground UK stuff. And I, I, was, I was blown away by how good it was because usually when you see, like, oh, listen to my band, it's a bit
2: <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, I feel that.
1: And... And the fact that you guys have put it on Spotify and it was easy for me to check out, I was like, oh yeah, sweet. This is like, I'll check it out. And it turned out to be sick, really loved it. But if you'd been like, hey guys, go have a listen to our band camp. You can listen to 30 seconds of a song. You've got to pay a fiver for the EP.
2: (laughs) I'd be like,
0: nah. I'm alright. Yeah, it's
2: a bit of a different taste. Yeah, for sure.
0: So you mentioned that the you was um, formed in lockdown. You've obviously started writing. Um, you've hired some people. You know, now you've got a band together. Hired like you pay them. Um, <laughs> you know, you'll do once you once you've come. To that now is now lockdowns released. What what's what's that difference? How how are the live shows going? You know, how how is that working out for you?
2: So it was it was really good coming out twenty twenty one. Um, we had like quite a few gigs lined up. It was, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It was so sick to play those songs like live. Uh, no one comes to watch us, but, uh, just to play it live was sick. Yeah. Um, we had, we got really lucky actually, um, because a really good band called sheer, uh, they're like a shoegazy band from, uh, Chelmsford in Essex. Um, I get tattooed in Chelmsford way too regularly for my bank account. Um, and I've been going there for literally years, like probably like five, six years and there's a guy there called nick who's a tattoo artist and he is the guitarist in sheer so yeah we just really naturally got talking and i was like i've got this band and he was like i've got this band and i was like i think we just both really enjoyed both bands i like the music we already listened to so yeah we like talked about uh hooking up for a gig uh i went to actually watch them they played new cross Inn in london Uh, and I went to watch them with a friend of mine and was like god they're so sick Uh, we need to like support them so I was just really pushing for that like hoping that something was going to come through and uh, yeah they actually managed to hook like I think we played two gigs with them um, last year maybe one of them was started this year Um, but that's been really sick because like their audience is like exactly the same people we'd want to listen to us so it's a proper like you scratch our back we'll scratch yours Uh, and the best bit about that was that uh, the venues in Essex are so much better than what we've got out in Reading. Um, Reading's really quite a dying, which is mad because Reading Festival exists and you'd think. Um, but yeah, we've got like Face Bar, uh, which is, there's like planning permission to put flats over the top of it. Um, and do you know what, I can't, oh, Sub 89's another venue, but it's like really hard to get gigs there because massive bands play there and stuff and they have like... It's a club night every night, and yeah, it's one of them ones.
0: Well, they want to make money, don't they? So they want they want to get the headliners. Yeah, yeah.
2: Exactly, yeah. So aside from that and a few pubs, Redding's a bit dead. So um, it's been really nice to like it. Don't get me wrong, it's an absolute trek for us to go over to Chelmsford, but um, just for the sheer like the venues are sick. Sheer are like so sound to hang out with, um, and the audience. It's just yeah, it's just like always a really good time. So
1: so if you guys. Have you guys got some gigs lined up in the future? Or? Uh,
2: so, yeah, kind of, it kind of came to a bit of a standstill this year. Um, I'm not even sure why. I think, like, I think we're just a bit burnt out. Because um, we just went so ham at the start. Like, me and my brother wrote all those songs. It got to, like, the point where we had, like, an EP. piece so already uh, we played the shit out of them before we recorded them. Um, and... We just wanted them so polished. Like they were really like, they were probably tweaked too much almost. Um, Loads of them changed massively from like when we first started. Um, Way Out is a good example. That used to be like literally double the BPM it is now. Um, It it used to sound like Fading by Basement, if you know that song. Probably just like jangly, like upbeat, almost sort of like fiddlehead sort of vibe. Uh, And we slowed it right, literally just like all the way down and much preferred it like that. So, um yeah, it was nice because we had the time to do that, you know, like we sat down and like really made them how we wanted to sound. But it's meant that there's just this immense pressure to write anything new. Um, So we just sat at this like, will it be good enough? Like, and it's really annoying because I listen back to like, we quite regularly record just like snippets of band practice. And uh, my brother actually sent me um a clip from one the other day and he was like, this was actually so sick. And I don't know why we didn't like go forward with it. And I completely agree. Like, it's an absolute banger, but we're just such perfectionists. The problem is it goes across, like, probably our entire lives because we're the same in, like, our careers and stuff. We just, like, don't seem to settle for anything less than, like, the best we can put out. So, yeah. But, yeah, the downside is we've hit this sort of, like, writing block.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a blessing and a curse because I think, um, you know, I'm sure if, I don't know, David Draymond from Disturbed listens back to you know, down with the sickness, he like, do you know what? I do a lot of things different. (laughs) I mean, if you over-listen, you listen to something, you you need to almost, like you say, record it, play it live, move on, move on to some new stuff. If you're in lockdown, for example, and you couldn't do that, it was an excuse to keep touching the same pieces, changing them, tweaking them. But now, obviously, the doors have opened, so to speak. Gigs are going to start coming in. You now need more material to actually play, I suppose, as well, to actually, you know, play a set um but yeah for i think every band will always think about the songs and think how they can change them but you just have to be able to move on don't you
2: yeah i mean i guess that's like that's probably the same for everyone isn't it it's probably the same for all art forms because like like i said i do photography and it's the exact same like i look at stuff that i've shot like two years ago and i'm like what a load of shit but um you wouldn't get any better if you weren't like that you know what i mean so i i do
0: well i think um Placebo. I remember reading something about placebo randomly. I've, they've been on the news because he's cancelled some gigs and he's ill. Brian Molko's ill. um But they were saying that like Nancy Boy and them sort of era, that sort of mid '90s albums. He says he, he doesn't really like him. He doesn't like the way they're written. He's a, he's a much more uh, accomplished songwriter now. But that's also what that was him back then yeah. kind of thing. That that is what it is, and he can't go back. So he's he's proud of him, but he would do it also differently if you knew what you knew now kind of thing. So I think every artist is, like you say, the look back, you've learned so many different techniques. You've learned how to, you know, you've improved in songwriters. I'm sure every, every time you write a new song, you improve, you learn. Your, your first stuff's never going to be as good as your, your most recent stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, even from just a drumming level, um, even just in the last two years, I can already tell that I'm like so much better than I was. It's really weird because I thought like there was a time back in the day, I think like around 2010 or 2011, and I was in this sort of like metalcore band back when like, um, like Attack Attack and stuff were like, you know, like Crabcore was huge and stuff like that. And uh, I used to think I was the dog's bollocks back then. And it's really funny to look back and be like, you were technically absolutely terrible. Like I was just so reliant on like a double bass pedal to just write everything for me. And it's been so nice to like take the time and like even like, so I moved countries Uh, back in like 2017, and I sold all my drum stuff, um, which was really sad. I remember some guy picking up my drum kit, and I was like, I literally learned to play on this drum kit. Um, But I came back, and then obviously me and my brother started this band, and I had no gear, like literally nothing. So I was like, shit, we can't play a show unless I've got some gear. Um, And I've basically bought really good gear, because for the first time ever, I can like tell the difference. Like, I was never really like in tune and I, like I just, I used to, I remember I used to just turn off and be like, Oh, I haven't tuned my snare by the way. Or like, does it sound shit to the sound guy? And he was like, Oh no. And I'm like, Oh, well this is just mental then. Like, how's this going to sound any good?
1: The sound guy is like, I, I, I don't know. I finished college at four o'clock and I came straight here. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So yeah, it's been so sick to buy like proper gear and understand like why it's better and why it's worth the money. And, uh, yeah, just my whole craft sort of like tightened up. I'm still, like probably miles off where i'd dreamed to be but yeah compared to where i was at as like a late teen and stuff i'm like god i've improved massively so it's been really nice yeah
1: that must have something to do with growing older as well and looking like oh actually the more i've learned about my my craft the more i've learned that i don't know yeah
2: yeah no that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah.
1: whereas when you when you're a bit younger you think you know everything don't you yeah you know everything yeah yeah uh but Oh, man, I, I I've lost my train of thought but what I was <clears throat> ignore me ignore me I've lost
0: my train of thought <laughs> Should we move on to the EP Steve should we do that yeah, yeah yeah let's do that Cool so you mentioned the EP a few times obviously um can you tell us a little bit about how it was recorded where it was recorded things like that
2: Uh yeah so we were originally going to go like super DIY um and just do like everything ourselves um but kind of tying into the fact that we were getting better at our instruments It just, we just became absolute snobs, essentially. Um, So we actually had a, the first thing we ever released was a demo of Way Out um, that I recorded on Electric Kit uh, and ran it through, like, uh, Get Good Drums plugin, which was sick. Like, it's probably the best electric.
1: I was going to say, a lot of, you know, albums out there today don't have real drums on them they've got yeah. they get good drums or like, what is it like massive drums and things like that yeah
2: yeah yeah um it's really good i can't lie but um because i'd sort of like like i say sort of like honed in on how i wanted to sound and stuff like that i could just like it was just the symbols i think for me i was like i can't because every time you hit a symbol it probably resonates in a completely different way so and I just couldn't unhear it like the electric one. I was like, it's just the same sample. Like, well,
1: the thing is, like, if you record, if you record an album, you don't sample replace the no. symbols, do you? You sample replace yeah, the kick exactly, sounds, yeah.
2: So, yeah, that was sort of a gripe. But as far as demos go, it sounded good. I mean, uh, Matt did a, I think he did a degree. Uh, sorry if I'm wrong, Matt. Uh, he did a degree in music production, so we were able to sort of like record everything ourselves. Uh, My brother actually recorded the guitar uh, literally in my parents' garage. Um, We were trying to go for this huge sort of like mic'd up amp sound. So like we literally mic'd his cab up in the garage and I'm so sorry to our neighbours because it was so loud. But um, yeah, it was just super like DIY and it was really nice because like lockdown had happened and it just made more sense to do it like that anyway. um, Put out the demo. uh, Yeah, Matt did like mix and mastering on it and it was pretty damn good. Like I was proud of it. Like we even shot like a music video uh, for it with my mate. Uh, and I was like yeah this is a great start like I was really proud of it um, but when we started going to record the rest of the EP um, I think yeah like it was a mixture of things like the the, the samples were like <laughs> playing on my mind a bit so guitars were basically the same we just recorded them all at the practice room we rehearsed at because um, it was like sound deadened and we were like happy with it. Like it sounded good. So we just went with that direction. We did like, um, the bass was, I think the bass was like, I can't remember if the bass was DI'd straight in or not, maybe, but we did it all the re- It was just nice to do it all together. Like we, we recorded it all together as if we were at a studio, but there was no one there that knew, what the fuck they were doing essentially it was just us like fiddling trial and error you know like well,
1: that's that's the fun of it isn't it yeah
2: yeah exactly like i look back fondly like it was sick like that was us recording our ep you know and like i could never have imagined it came out like it did but yeah like those all those steps were pretty important you know for the final thing so yeah uh it wasn't all together it was really like sporadic like because like i say we we're just absolute perfectionists and like we'd record one thing one week and then like two weeks later We'd be like, mm, it's kind of shit, so we'll do that again. And it just it dragged it all on, but at the end of the day, like we were really pleased with like the stem, the final stems we sent off. So, yeah. Um, but but ba- yeah, basically what happened was we were recording, and then me and my brother were like, we should really send this to someone to get mixed and mastered because like Matt was Matt was doing like um was in full time work, and we didn't want to just chuck a whole EP at him and be like, yeah, can you just mix and master this whole thing? So we thought, why don't we just like, you know, there's four of us in the band. We can split the cost and mix a mastery. In, and I think it will like completely elevate our sound. You know, we can just say like, this is the vibe we're going for. Please help us. Like, cause none of us, you know, like Matt had a bit of background, but like he was more into like electronic music and stuff anyway. So band stuff was a bit like, none of us were really like clued up on it. So we were like, let's just give it to a professional. Cause this is just stupid. Um, and we listened to a lot of the band called, uh, super bloom. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of them. They're kind of like a alt rock sort of grunge band from New York. Um, and we clocked that the bassist worked in a studio over there. And he kind of like, we basically sent the feelers out to a lot of different people. There's like Will Yip who was in like, um, I think he's in Pennsylvania. recorded like title fight, super heaven, loads of literally incredible bands. And we were like, we could send us to him, but we know he's going to be extortionate. Like, his back catalog's literally phenomenal. Like, we're not really at that level.
1: Yeah, and he's he's blown up over the past sort of, I want to say, five years. Like
2: Yeah, he's insanely big now, yeah.
1: He's gone from being, like, unknown to being, like, one of the biggest sort of, like, hardcore sort of, I guess it'd be, like, all post-crunch sort of stuff. He basically
2: runs run for cover. Like, he's, like, the whole, that whole label sound, you know? So, yeah, it's kind of like... That was just a bit of a write-off. We were like, that's a pipe dream, you know. If we ever get signed, we'll go to him immediately. But for now, like, it's just not going to happen. So we sort of wrote that off. And there were a couple of other names floating around. But the Super Bloom guy we reached out to, uh, his name's Brian Domeglio. Um, and he scheduled, like, a FaceTime call with me and my brother. And aside from anything else, he was just the soundest bloke. And he was like, I'll guide you through. I've told this story in the wrong order, I've just realized, because he said he, he'd said he'd guide us through recording it to make it come out the best so yeah we we spoke to him at the same time it all sort of came together um but he was like this is where you should place the mics on the cab stuff like that like what head and cab are you guys using what are you gonna do with drums stuff like that so he literally held our hand and he's the reason that it came out like it did because he was making his life easier at the other end because obviously we'd send all the stems over to like over the internet to new york to get like he'd run them back through i think like all his gear there And so, yeah, so it was just, it was so sick to have him, you know, like he was like way above and beyond what we paid him for that EP because like he didn't, he didn't just mix and master it. He literally like held our hands as people not knowing what the hell they were doing. Um, So that was really sick. Um, But drums wise, yeah, we did. We were really lucky and we stumbled across a studio that is literally like in the same... So like there's all these units where we record and they're just like mostly garages, but there happened to be a studio literally in one of them. And we were like, well, that's ridiculously convenient. And Matt had recorded there before with his other band. So yeah, we hit up Jack at Pyramid Studios and just recorded all the drums live there. I literally tracked the whole EP in one day, Um, which probably doesn't sound that crazy, but it was... It was crazy. Yeah, just take my word for it. I was literally dripping in sweat.
0: Yeah, well, I haven't recorded a huge amount, but you know, Steve, you've been in quite a few bands. It's like I'm pretty certain we we were struggling to get like two or three songs done with drums.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've tried. I've tried producing bands uh, when I was younger, and bands would be like, "Oh yeah, we want to do eight songs in one day," and you'd be like.
2: <laughs> no <laughs>
1: one yeah. instrument oh because because you, you seriously you're gonna get one or two tracks of drums done so let's do let's do two days of drums and then like you know one day of bass and guitars and then yeah it's just well that's probably like they haven't got enough money for more than one day that's yeah. the <laughs> just, so so six tracks in one day is pretty incredible
2: it, it just came down to like how polished they were like i said like i'd been playing them for two years and that's what jack said to the studio he was like mate whatever you can get in the day depends entirely on how well you know the songs and I was like well I've been playing them every week for two years so if I can't lay them down first or second try then there's something wrong with me so yeah that's kind of how it went down
0: one thing that I find quite interesting about how lockdown obviously so I mean I, I work in an office Steve you're, you're office based as well we're, we're office workers so we've worked from home pretty much since lockdown and now I've obviously lockdown stopped but we all work from home still we're doing this podcast we can meet you guys Obviously Skype and stuff was available at the time, but it seems to have really blown up nowadays. Um I I work with a lot of people in London and stuff, and my team's all based in London. I wouldn't have even gone for the job or even been had a look in, in the job that I do because I are in London I'm north, you know. So how have you found because you act you know, you, you reached out to a lot of other, like, you know, you know, you spoke to them people about how to record like recording you, mixing you and things like that obviously people did reach out in the past, but have you found it easier to actually reach out, have like that FaceTime meeting and it's not a weird technology. Everyone's using it. It's quite normal to speak to people. You never spoke to what we've done here, you know, this kind of thing. It's, and when you're writing now, you're sending over stuff and sharing music a lot more using the technology. Has that aided in creating music a lot?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, It's just so easy to collaborate now, isn't it? Like, um even like two days ago my brother sent me like some vocals he'd done on track and i was sat on the train on the way back from work and i was like yeah that's fucking sick they'll send it so like yeah just like yeah brian it it was weird because like most of that actually came down to cost i'm not gonna lie like we got some quotes from like british people and we were like what are they smoking over like that's insane and we just reached out to him like he knew his stuff was really good and we were like he might be a bit cheaper or the same, but he might be worth that cost anyway. And he was so, like, so reasonably priced. And we were like, if we got to send the stems over, then so be it. And yeah, we just made a WhatsApp group with him. And we'd send, like, pictures of where we'd, uh, like, all the pedals we've used, where the mics placed. Uh, I think we even videoed, like, the room we were in, just so we knew how big it was. I took pictures of where all the mics were and the drums um, when we were recording drums at Pyramid. Yeah, we just had this constant open like, that's what I'm so thankful for. Yeah, we just had this like open line of communication with him and even though he's like however many hours behind, um he just pick it up when we were sleep where we were asleep and just reply and be like yeah that's sick, that's perfect or like move that a few inches right or whatever. And then next time we go and record, we just like make all his changes and then send it all back. So, yeah, I mean y- you could argue like going into a studio and just laying everything down there in person is probably like beneficial, but like for what we wanted and how polished the songs were already, we just felt like we didn't need it. And it was so much money, you know, like to just get everyone in at the same time. And we were already really confident because we'd done that first way out demo. We were like pretty confident that it would sound good, you know, like we'd, we'd sort of trialed it already. So yeah, that's kind of, it was the perfect, perfect collab really.
1: Well, my, my final question was going to, was, was going to be, was it self-produced or did you get a producer? But it sounds like it was part DIY, but part, part produced, which is pretty sick because now you've got all that knowledge and when you go to record your next demos, you know they're going to sound sick.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: It's like you might, like you said before, you listen to it and go, oh, it's not that great. And it might just be that it didn't sound great on the recording medium, but now if you like go in and and record those demos just for yourselves as best as you can, you can actually hear the song and hear all the parts and sort of think, is this right? Rather than thinking, I I, don't actually know what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to move on to the questions about title fight now. But before we do, here is Way Out by Grandad.
0: episode 28 shed by title fight from the year 2011 and this week obviously we're joined by james from Grandad. you chose the album
2: sure um so it was kind of i think it was quite a turning point in like my musical taste i guess um i'd listened to a lot of like metalcore stuff kind of like parkway drive ask Alexandra, devil West prada stuff like that um and tumblr was really big at the time the blogging platform and loads of stuff used to get shared around that was from like basement and title fight shows uh and even just like hardcore shows in general like Half heart and stuff like that um but i remember listening to basement kind of like and title fight as like dipping my toe in the water because i was like this isn't heavy enough i was in that kind of weird zone where i was just like no everyone's gotta have a breakdown there's gotta be screaming all the way through like this seems really soft um so, yeah, I sort of like listened to a couple of tracks from Title Fight, and I was like, "Oh, this is like way more emotive, and I actually connect to it way deeper than I do to like anything I'm listening to at the moment." Um, so, yeah, Shed was like the album at the time. I think um, I was too late to miss uh, to to pick them up for their first release, but um, Shed sort of like when I came into like listen to them, and. I think a lot of it was like a lot of the lyrics resonated me, with me at the time um, and it just felt right. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It just felt like the right music for that time in my life. I was like quite sort of like angsty. It was like had like punk bits in it, but also like really slow, nice melodic sort of like sad songs. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of like for me at that time, it was, it was scratching an itch, shall I say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there is Ben and Ned Rossin, who are brothers. Um, uh, ben is the drummer and Ned is the frontman and the bassist. And there's Shane and Jamie. Uh, they're the guitarists. Jamie Roden. I can't remember Shane's last name, but yeah.
0: Because there's two uh, siblings in the band, and obviously you've got siblings in your band as well. We've got a little mini game to play, and what we're going to do is we're going to name a band, and you have to tell us if they have siblings in the band, so true or false, if they do. And uh, if they do, if you can name the siblings that are in the band. Okay, makes sense?
2: Okay, I'm going to do terribly, but yeah.
0: <laughs> and, well, you don't know. Right, first band, Oasis.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yes.
0: Okay, and do you know who they are?
2: Uh, Liam and Noel.
0: Correct, well done. White Stripes.
2: Oh, my God. Are they related?
0: You tell me. That's the question.
2: Something's screaming yes in my head, but I kind of want to say no. I can't remember the drummer's name. That's so annoying. I'm going to say yeah.
0: They are not. They are <laughs> married. They oh, they were okay. married. So it's um, Jack, Jack White and Meg White. Right. And they were married. But um a little tidbit for you is I was um reading up about them quite a while ago, and Jack took Meg's last name. So they are ah, married. Right, okay. So Jack White isn't his... Do you call it maiden name if it's the guy? I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> yeah. His it, given name, um, his first, uh, his, his original surname. But then uh, they got divorced in like the late 90s, like 1999. And then White Blood Cells came out in like 2000, 2001. So they really blew up and got really famous and then went on tour and just like that. they divorced.
2: That's so awkward.
0: Well, they knew the, the sort of rumors circling around that they were brother and sister, but they just didn't bother acknowledging it and just sort of let it. Like run rampant I suppose
2: come out in the wash <laughs> yeah, yeah and
0: it's like but it was before like internet well obviously the internet was there but it was before there was Wikipedia pages on Jack White for example things like that so I remember the rumours of like oh the brother and sister oh no they're married um, I mean personally I mean if people were going around saying that me and my wife were brother and sister I would correct them so I'm not, <laughs> not 100% sure why you
2: didn't That's a very but... fair point.
0: yeah I, I thought they were brother and sister for a long long time uh, next one Frightened Rabbit
2: I don't know who that is.
0: <laughs> well, 50-50 guess. Uh,
2: last one was no, so I'm going to say yeah. Oh, that's correct. Well <laughs> that is
0: true,
1: yeah. Yeah, Frightened Rabbit, an awesome Scottish band. Unfortunately, are not really a band anymore. Uh, they're more of a charity now because their, um, their vocalist, uh, Scott Hutchison, he unfortunately killed himself.
2: Oh, my God, I actually read a news article. Yeah, you're right. I remember that's the only time I've heard that band name, actually, yeah.
1: So his brother Grant has now set up a charity called Tiny Changes, which is in memory of Scott, which is really nice, but that's basically what Frightened Rabbit is now.
0: Um, next one, Weezer. They
2: kind of look like they should be, but I'm going to say no.
0: They all wear glasses or something. Is that what you're trying to say? Is everyone that wears glasses looks like <laughs>
2: <it>? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm just imagine the most. stood, just them stood in a row. Yeah, yeah, like where's Wally? I
0: well, know, there's just a bunch of nerds. bunch of unrelated dudes, them guys, yeah. Yeah, unrelated. Next one, Architects.
2: Uh, Yes. Well, they were, um, is it Dan and Tom?
0: Uh, yes, correct. So yeah, they were because
2: Tom- One of them passed away.
1: Unfortunately passed away, yeah. Cancer.
2: What an incredible guitarist though, Jesus. Shout out. So good. I'm not going to say they haven't been as good as they were, because that's kind of savage, but I do kind of believe that. Like, he was obviously so good at writing. Mad.
1: Yeah, well, actually, I, uh, I listened to a podcast with those guys, and they were saying they don't- write like that anymore because it's just and we don't like playing the old songs because it's too upsetting for them because obviously he was such an integral part of the band and obviously they're a bit like a family really and then they'd sort of play i think the song called gone with a wind was the finale that they all, they always end on of the encore and they got to a point well it was sort of like we we fed we're fed up of looking at each other and almost crying at every gig we play and making sure that we're all okay mentally to play a song, it's like we don't want to do that anymore, which is why they've kind of changed up a little bit.
2: I respect that. Yeah, that must be literally horrible. Like, I don't know how you'd even carry on writing music. So huge respect to them. That's crazy.
0: Uh, next one. I'll be honest here. I've never heard of these. Uh, Rolo Tomassi.
2: It's one of those weird names. Yeah, I feel like I've seen about, it, but I have no idea. Um...
0: They're one of them bands who
1: you've you've always heard of, <laughs> but you never listened to. Yeah. Apart from all the fans. Like, probably like, you know, thousands of fans that listen to them all the time. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to guess no.
0: Well, that is incorrect, I'm afraid. They are. Steve, you want to share the information?
1: Yeah, so Eva and James Spence. Eva's the uh, vocalist and um, James was uh, keyboards and Simpson and vocals. But they were brother and sister. And they were one of the first bands I ever heard where it was like a, a, a female vocalist doing kind of like death metal or like black metal and i've always thought of them as being like a black metal band but i listened to them as i was writing the quiz questions and actually they're, they're just kind of out there they're just kind of like heavy the ambient the synth the not synth the metal are pretty
0: cool band actually you should check them out uh, next one first aid kit
2: um another band i don't know shamefully i'm gonna say no.
0: It is true, I'm afraid, and also don't don't say it shamefully. You've named loads of bands that I'm just there, like I do not know. I am out of the loop so much, so don't worry about it. The, like I say, these are the bands that we know of. I'm sure there's obviously tons of bands that have got siblings in that you know. So don't don't feel uh, don't feel bad at all.
1: This is a difficult quiz because you've got to know bands where there's a relationship, like in there, but not everybody knows every single band. Yeah, yeah. And it's like try trying to search for a band where it's like. You know, a bands with siblings, you're like, <laughs> ACDC. AC, like, fucking, we're not 50-year-old men,
0: 70-year-old men. We're, we're in our 30s. It's
2: true. It's kind of like pub, pub quiz questions you're probably getting back.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not, like, signed up to join my band, you know. We're not, them, you know, we're not that age yet. Not yet. Um, so, next one, uh, Brutus.
2: Also don't know them. Uh, no,
0: That is true. No relation to that
1: band, but I think you would enjoy Brutus. I'd definitely check them out if that was you.
2: Someone's probably screaming, "Listen to this!" Like, what does this guy listen to? Like, he doesn't know anything. (laughs) I
0: listen to Disturbed on repeat. God, do you know that's the only band?
2: Uh, I do sort of know this band. Um, No idea though about brothers or sisters. Um, I'm gonna just randomly guess yes
1: that is incorrect I only chose them because they're a related artist
2: oh okay yeah
1: <laughs> to title fight on Spotify a cool band though Will Yip has uh, produced a lot of their uh, records
2: mm, that's probably where I've heard them to be fair yeah uh,
0: next one Biffy Clyro have you heard of Biffy Clyro
2: I have heard of Biffy Clyro yeah <laughs> I have no idea though people are probably screaming again
0: I mean you're assuming people listen to this podcast right? <laughs> My mum, she didn't have a clue, mate, so she had to say whatever.
2: I'm going to go yeah, just randomly.
0: Yeah, Ben and James Johnson, uh, drums and bass.
2: Nice. Rhythm section.
0: Little tidbit. Does anyone know why they're called Biffy Clyro? Yeah, well, I've read it on the internet, so 100% true. Apparently, they had a Cliff Richard pen and they used to always call it the Cliffy Byro.
2: Oh, my God, I have heard this.
0: And then there was, like, the, the sort of, like, they switched it around, so it was like the Biffy Clyro.
2: That's literally genius. That's amazing.
0: How true that is, I don't know, but, yeah, I've chosen to believe it. You know, when in them stories you think, do you know what, I, I don't want it to be not true, so I'm going to believe it no matter what you say. Um. So, yeah, so you did really well, to be fair. That's the end of the little side quiz.
1: What I was going to say, just, just before we before we move on, was we had no idea you and your brother were uh, were in this band, so kudos to us for coming up with such a great idea
2: that is a weird coincidence yeah
0: right anyway moving on let's go to this quiz again right uh monthly spotify listeners how many do they have for title fight you know
2: i literally listened to the lull episode and i could have i could have planned this perfectly and i haven't um it's gotta be pretty high i'm gonna go 700k
0: very very good it's 721,000. so yeah pretty much yes You've got that right. And uh, the next question is the only thing that gets Steve hard, which is album length. It makes his length grow. How long is this album?
2: A lot of them are like short, snappy punk bangers, so probably quite short. I'm gonna say twenty three minutes.
0: Plus a little bit longer. It's twenty seven minutes, which I think is is just on the very very cusp of album times. I feel like like we've like we we always say you know forty five minutes is the sweet spot, so it's it's um, airing on the, the, the shorter side, but thoughts, Steve?
1: Yeah, I'm starting to think, like, the, the shorter the album, the better, and I don't know if that's because my listening habits have changed, but, like, with this album, I was like, oh, it's it's not that long. It's not a slog to listen to, and we listened to Fiddlehead uh, for the Lull episode, and again, that was about 25 minutes long, and it was like, oh, that's a nice, nice, li- like, you know, like a nice listening experience. I remember being younger and f- listening to like the Taking Back Sunday album, Tell All Your Friends, and that was like half an
0: hour and being like, man, that's such a short album. Do you think that's different as well? Because you've paid 16 quid for that album, whereas this one, it's free. So as, as silly as it sounds, you don't feel ripped off. Not that you would ever feel like that, but I don't know. You know, is it something like that? It's like the new
1: Oversize EP they released. That's like 15 minutes long. And I'm like, that's what, that's what you need. You don't need to be listening to the same band for an hour. It's like, it's good, 15 minutes, and the songs are like, bang on. You don't have, there's not a lot of filler. And I think that's like a thing in the music industry today, and it's like, you don't necessarily get a lot of people. I think you're doing like rock and metal and that kind of thing, but you don't get a lot of artists releasing albums. You get a lot of people releasing singles and EPs. And I think that's potentially the way things are going to go in the future, because an album generally does have filler tracks on it and tracks people don't care about, whereas like a six-track EP it's gonna pretty much be all be
0: bangers. Anyway, we digress, clearly. Next question. What are the singles from the album?
2: I think it was around the sort of time people were just dropping whole albums. I don't know if it has a single off it.
0: There are three singles.
2: Oh my god, really? I showed you how late in the game I was. Um, this is a real shot in the dark, but I'm gonna go Safe in your skin. Shed,
0: Shed
2: And Coxton Yard.
0: So you've got one of them.
2: <laughs> Amazing.
0: Which one are you most confident about? No, I'm joking. Um, Shed, Mist and Flood of 72. All oh, right.
1: OK. So in Your Skin, weirdly enough, has got the most players on the album. And I was looking at it before we started recording this. And I was like, that's so strange because it's not, it's not a single.
0: OK, so next section. Steve, I think you're really proud of this, um, this, this quiz question, aren't you? So do you want to do this one? So this is just song
1: name trivia. So the answer is just a song name off the album. And the questions don't really make too much sense. So the first question is, Hurricane Agnes caused what?
2: Um, is this your screen door related?
1: No.
0: So it's a hurricane.
2: Yeah, I just thought they might have found someone's door seeing someone.
0: <laughs> I like it, yeah. Like, was it in the video like, uh, in Scotland when there's a, a trampoline that just goes, blows across someone's house, and it's like, it's a fucking trampoline, but in a Scottish accent.
2: Um, is, it, is it the Flood of 72?
0: It is The Flood of 72, well done.
2: Okay, that makes sense, yeah.
1: I don't actually know if a song has anything to do with Hurricane Agnes, but I searched in Google The Flood of 72, Hurricane Agnes came up, and I looked at the lyrics and I thought, I really can't tell. It's probably not got anything to do with it.
2: <laughs> yeah, all their lyrics are super like, just vague. Some of them just seem like words. Like, I hope no one's judging me for this, but yeah. It's about the music, man, all right?
0: But you've just ruined your chances of opening for uh, for them now, I'm afraid. Although they're on hiatus.
2: To be fair, I don't think they're ever getting back together. I would literally sell all my worldly possessions to see that come back.
1: They're going to listen to this now and be like, this guy is going to sell all his worldly possessions. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Next question is, what is the name of a fictional series of slasher films within the Scream
0: universe? Stab. Stab is correct. Well done. <laughs> the, the conviction that you've said it there, you know, you knew you were right.
2: <laughs> I'll let you
0: take a stab? Me. Was you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> You're threatening me? I'm not sure what was
1: going on there. That was going to be me telling you the dictionary definition of the word stab <laughs> until I searched for stab and I was like, wait, there's a film called Stab and then I found out, actually, it's not a real film. It's a fictional film.
2: Well, well, well.
1: Based on a film. It's a bit weird that. It's like... I'm not even going to get into it. Not <laughs> get into it. <laughs> so next question. Uh, so Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix and Amy Winehouse died at this age.
2: 27.
1: 27,
0: well More done. conviction. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the third take. I'm
2: joking.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: this one is clutching at straws, I'm going to admit. So, Durya Yard, a railroad yard in Wyoming Valley, was formerly called what?
2: Coxton Yard.
1: Coxton Yard is correct.
0: Like a worms,
1: up cold, is okay, last question on the song name trivia round. So this one, it's going to be a difficult one, I'll be honest. What name is given to a simple roof structure used for garden storage?
2: Shit. Oh my God, I really deep that for a minute. I was like... And for some reason, it sounded so complex. There's,
0: there's nothing worse than someone goes, oh, this one's easy. You'll get this. And then instantly, the pressure is insane. And you're like, oh my God, man, what is your name? And you're like, fuck knows, John. Okay, well, that, that's the um, the end of the, the actual trivia for uh, Title Fight. But that goes on to another idea of a bit of a spin-off. Um, so Title Fight, it just screams to me and Steve, WWF, WrestleMania, all that sort of stuff. So... Um, we've got a, a wrestling bonus round.
2: Oh, no. Why is my bassist not here?
0: Were you a wrestling fan back in the day?
2: I mean, our bassist is going to kill me. He's literally like a WWE super fan. Um, I used to watch it with him because, yeah, I'm a good friend like that.
1: What era of wrestling?
2: Um, that was uh, we're talking like Hardy Boys.
1: Yep, no, that that's fine. That's the level that we're at. Yeah, the Raw era. That's 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 all I know.
2: Yeah, SmackDown Raw. Yeah.
1: Anyone starts talking about John Cena, I'm like,
2: <laughs> who's that?
1: John
0: Cena. Who? Never seen that guy. Never seen, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Question one: Who struggles to drink beers after a match? Uh,
2: Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: Correct. Well done. <laughs> He's always fumbling them. He's just an idiot, isn't he? Well, I was—I listened to a podcast
1: with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and someone said to me, "Like, is it is it real beer that you drink?" And he was like, "Well, yeah, but you can't drink that much beer. Imagine (laughs) how wrecked I'd be."
0: Yeah, having a pint out pub with him is a fucking nightmare. Seriously, (laughs) he's just such a messy bastard. Do you know why he's called Stone Cold as well? I don't know why.
2: I actually don't either.
0: Apparently, he used to make cups of tea a lot and they'd go cold. And he's like, missus would be like, oh, your tea's gone stone cold again. And he was like, that is cool. So I'm going to call myself Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, again, don't know how true that is. I'm going to believe it.
2: That's a really British reason for an American guy. I
0: was going to say, for an American, for for
1: someone from Texas drinking Tetley's. Okay, uh, question number two. Who was the
0: Olympic champ?
2: Oh, God, that really came to me and then went straight away. I can, like, picture his clothes.
0: The red, white, and blue. yeah. And who's, who's wearing them? So just, just some clothes and then...
2: Um, he's, is he bald?
0: He shaved his head towards the end. Yeah, he did go bald, didn't he? Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is correct. I, I'm saying that like I've got the answers in front of me. I'm like... <laughs> I did this separately so Steve doesn't know these answers or questions because we were like, well, does James even like uh, wrestling? It's like, well, we assume you do, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Number three, who is insistent that you smell what he is cooking? The Rock. Correct. some <laughs> yes, man... Number four, who is often heard shouting, "Devon, get the table? I've got nothing. That's Bubba Ray Dudley, isn't it? They had that big feud with the Hardy Boys. They always did, like, TLC matches and stuff.
1: Yeah, and it was like, Hardy Boys loved ladders and chairs and Dudley Boys loved tables.
0: Was that written in the toilets or something? What was that? Well, it was table, table, ladders and chairs match, wasn't it? Okay, so name two of Mick Foley's personas. Uh, um,
2: something to do with a sock.
0: Also known as, as Mankind. <laughs>
2: Mankind, does <laughs> he? Yeah.
0: Although he did have, I don't know what did the sock have a name, but he was like down his junk, wasn't he? And he just pulls it out and then like shoves it down the mouth, which is disgusting. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's disgusting, yeah. Was he, he, was he called Mr. Sock? I think it was Mr. Sock. Do you know any other ones? Steve, can you name some more?
1: Well, it was Dude Love and it was Cactus Jack as well.
0: Yeah, true.
1: Uh, correct. Dude Love was the weirdest one because Mankind, with his sock, was this absolute, like, you know, fucked up guy. And then Dude Love was just like this fucking hippie.
0: It was so strange. Apparently, he was also going to be called Mason the Mutilator, but he decided that he didn't want to be called that. You're like, probably right. Okay, number six. Why did Kane wear a mask?
2: I want to say something to do with a fire.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I thought it was because he was meant to be all burnt up. And who burnt him? Theme of the podcast. Undertaker. Who is? Uh, his, brother.
2: <laughs> his brother.
0: His brother, correct, well done. <laughs> uh, well definitely actually, well, I'm sure they're not actually related. Yeah, so he, he apparently he got his face burnt by uh, uh, The Undertaker, who was his brother, but then eventually... He took right.
1: his mask off and he's fine.
0: Yeah, he just took his mask off and he was fine. I mean, he was quite ugly, but I think <laughs> that wasn't too <stupid>. much. <laughs> 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 should have put the mask back on, but, you know. Number seven, who is often seen accompanying Matt and Jeff Hardy in the ring, who also, for some reason, had a thong pulled up under the armpits?
1: She was called Lita, wasn't she?
0: Lita, yeah. She did wear a thong really high up, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Like, over her hips. Yeah. It's weird. Is this none of this ringing a bell, James?
2: <laughs> Someone generically attractive was coming up. It
0: burnt boy. into my, my retinas. Wrestling back in
1: those days, though, they'd be like doing, like, Brow and panties matches and stuff, were not they? And it was just like, oh, and then Jerry Lawler would be shouting, like, here comes the puppies.
2: <laughs> that would not run now.
0: It would not get away with it nowadays. Yeah. Number eight, which legendary wrestler has a shitty leg drop as a finisher?
2: The Rock. No, he's got people's elbow.
0: Even before Rock, the sort of like the dad rock of wrestling. Well, it's Hulk Hogan, wasn't it? Ah, it was Hulk Hogan, okay. correct. That was literally his finisher. He would just go fucking mad and then do a leg drop.
1: Yeah, and Jerry Lawler just did a DDT. That's when they used to pretend it was kind of like a real fight. What, who believed it was a real fight? <laughs> I Mate, mean, I believed until I was like
2: 20 <laughs>
0: 28 okay um number nine would you rather be pedigreed or have a rikishi stink face
2: probably pedigreed
0: well i think we'd all be pedigreed (laughs) rather than (laughs) Um, having someone's
1: ass rubbed in our face
0: yeah so rikishi for those who don't know um was quite a lad. of might i add yeah yeah so yeah he pretty much he pulls his pants up his ass and then he's quite a big guy and then there in the ter- on the turnbuckle, like, sat on the floor, dazed, and I assume confused, and then the- he just literally puts his asshole in and around the mouth. It was- it's actually disgusting. Um, and then the pedigree, which is, I think, one of the worst finishes, like, for scariness, because you literally just sort of smashed into the ground with your face, aren't you? But I, I would take that. So you correct, Jim, <laughs> correct answer.
1: Well, the pile driver, actually, didn't someone break their neck? They did a pile driver on them and then
0: like, they broke the neck and they had to get stretched out and everything. Well, I suppose the problem is they probably didn't do a pile driver right. That's the problem, wasn't it? No, they did it right.
2: <laughs> a bit too right. <laughs> yeah. Too
0: right, yeah. It was real back in the day, so that was what happened. It was all Kogan. Last question, whose finisher was the worm?
2: I have no idea, but that would probably be my finisher as well.
0: It'd be Steve's. He just gets his knob out, I heard. No, that's called the maggot. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: maggot.
0: It's Scotty Too Hotty, isn't it? It is Scotty Too Hotty. But yeah, Scotty Too Hotty had like a like a hat with all the middle cut out and then he's had spiked hair through the middle it was a different time
2: very period correct
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. we're all doing it well well done that brings us to the end of the the wrestling and i feel like we did digress the most i've ever digressed in any podcast or anything i've ever done so
2: it was an honor to be a part of it (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah well i hope you enjoyed it Uh, let's bring it back on track now steve Shed by Title Fight from the year 2011. It was an obvious choice for our 28th episode, wouldn't you say, Steve?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say a big thank you to James for joining us today. I hope you've had a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. Martin, I've had loads of fun, loads of fun.
2: It's been really great. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Thanks for joining us. So is there anything you want to promote before before we leave?
2: So me and my brother have got a side project called Bug, um, and we're dropping our third single called Cold Case. Um it's coming out on the ninth of December. So when you're listening to this it'll already have been out. Um so yeah, go and run that up for us, that'll be sick.
1: Sweet. Here is Cold Case by Bug. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. If you want to check out Grandad, you can find them at WeAreGrandad on Instagram, Facebook and wherever you find music. Same again for Bug. Their handle is Band of Bug and their new single is out now. Once again, thanks for listening. As ever, you can get in touch with us at gmail, isitdadrockyat at gmail.com and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Send us a message, leave us a comment. Right, bye.